Before we start the show, we just wanted to uh, send out our heartfelt condolences to the family and friends of Gino Olgic. Obviously, somebody that we grew up watching in the 90s, rode shotgun and protected Pavel Bure, but also broke down barriers as an indigenous, indigenous hockey player. And obviously, too, a fan favorite, both in uh, Vancouver and the other, the other places that he played. Even Andrew Berkshire is like, he played like 30 games in Montreal, and <laughs> we still love them, right? He was just a, a lovable guy and a, an absolute Vancouver legend. And it's a shame to lose somebody like yeah. that. Feared and respected uh, on and off the ice. That's right. And he's the definition of a fan favorite. Yes. In, in terms of like, he's not the star player on the team, but the fans absolutely adore him. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, Ethan Bear scored and dedicated it to him, which I thought yeah. was pretty cool too. So against it's funny how things work. Eh? Isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Isn't it? Anyway, let's start the show, but we just want to do a quick shout out to Gino. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Okay, so um, listen, lots to get to because of what happened with the Leafs and the Bruins on Saturday. What? Uh, lots to get to in Vancouver. Uh, there's, there's, you know, Connor Bedard. There's some crazy stuff happening in the Czech Junior Leagues that we need to discuss as well. This, mm-hmm. There's a lot on this show. But before we get into any of that, since, you know, we got to kick it off with the Boston Leafs game on Saturday. I want to, uh, I want to play this for you. Now, Steve, there are certain places that you go to where the accent is somewhat neutral. They say Southern Ontario is one of those places. They're not a lot of a, not a heavy accent. But if you go to the east coast of Canada, you're going to get a very thick east coast ca- accent, right? There are th- 30 east coast accents. For sure. For yeah. sure. Out west, there is a little bit of one too, although it's still a little bit more neutral. Uh, but where you really get it is you do get it on the east coast and you also get it on the upper east coast of the United States, namely Baston. Now, I want you to listen to this reporter who is from the area, who is trying to be neutral with how she says things and listen to the way she says New Hampshire. Parts of this bill are similar to the executive orders that have already been put in place in New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Parts of this bill are similar to the executive orders that have already been put in place in New Hampshire. New See, Hampshire. if you hear the way she says part. Yeah, the whole, the whole thing is so Boston. No, no, but, she, but it's hidden. Parts She's trying to hide it. The pots. Pots. She, pots. Says, pots. she says pots <laughs> off the top. Parts of this bill are similar <laughs> It's there. Similar yeah. to but the like executive hear- orders that have already been put in place in New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Her she name says- is Ellen Fleming, by the way, and she's a great reporter. She put that up herself. She hits the R on parts like she's trying to stuff a pillow back into a pillowcase that has shrunk. Right. Yes. You, you know? Yes. yes. Speaking from experience. Of parts. Course. Yeah. It's, you know. God bless Boston. What a silly place. Um, it, uh, so, so listen, I, I listened to the LFR in my car this morning Yeah, because you can listen to LFR. We don't talk about that enough that you, Jesse, or who podcasts it? Who takes the audio and podcast? Drew. Drew does. Yeah. Um, and so you can just listen to 18 (laughs) to 20 minutes of it just on your ride to work, which is kind of cool. And I think so. The thing was, I, I wake up and I hate mornings. I already hate mornings and it's dark. Not a fan. And it's Canada. So it's cold. 
And Mondays. And Mondays. Yeah. yeah. Loves, Monday loves mornings. Loves lasagna, though. Loves lasagna. Um, a little, uh, uh, so I was feeling a little bit down. I don't know why. Just, you know, sometimes you wake up and you're like, ah, today. Uh, you got the Garfield. I got the Garfields, for sure. And then I listened to Steve. No, the imp- depression is a case of the John Arbuckles. Yeah, that's right. The the impassioned, uh, uh, I, I almost called it a monologue, monologue mm. that you put on. Your one taker. I love a one taker. It was, uh, it was, you know what? And I was surprised that we got a one taker from you because normally it's like a one taker is when Steve sits you down and goes, listen, you better knock it off. You better cut it out. You, you gotta, you gotta bat, you see what you're doing. You knock that off. Like kind of like when your dad's mad at you. Mm-hmm. But I was, when I watched the game on Saturday and Jesse, I think you're in the same boat, mm-hmm. although I'm not totally certain because we don't try not to talk about hockey before the show. Okay. I thought it was an extremely entertaining, fun, edgier seat game. Correct, correct, correct. The first period, the Leafs came out and did nothing, and then somehow came away with a goal, and you're and and a tie, and a tie. Yeah, good. That's that's so I solid outcome for a not so solid period. So I felt like when I walked away from that game, I'm like, really, it sucks. The Leafs lost. It sucks that they lost the way they always do, which is giving up a lead in the third. But this is the best team in hockey. They're better than they've ever been. Then they, the lost, they lost the way they always do, but okay, can't wait to okay. see what can't, can't wait to hear what follows the butt. But I thought, you know what? This is the best team in hockey, and you're gonna lose teams games against the best team in hockey. Said that. And they fought them right to the end. Said that. And I felt like, you know, I don't know, I didn't feel that bad about it, but your reaction to it, I was really I was genuinely taken aback by. I was like, I didn't look at it. I don't think you're wrong necessarily, but I just it did not hit me the end of the game the way I think it hit you. I would say what I would ask you, which is it? I'm not wrong or you were taken aback. Well, I think there's an argument to be made of, of demanding greatness, right? Uh-huh. Which I think is what your LFR is about. You're demanding mm-hmm. Boston is greatness. And you yes, said it. They are greatness. And they're going to clip that and send that to you for the rest of your life. Just so you know. Uh, Bruins fans, where have you been? Uh, I got too many tweets from Bruins fans like, he must have lost a bat. Oh, my goodness. Like, what? A Leaf fan saying that I've been saying this about Boston for years. I've been saying this about the Bruins for years. Pay they attention. Are, they are the dragon. They're the monster. Give me the credit I deserve. I've been saying that about them for years. But what I was surprised at, I think, was that, like, I think most people are looking at that game and going, well, you know, they're a great team and you lose to great teams sometimes. Yeah. So what, but I what also was different hear, for you? I also hear, well, you know, the Leafs really flub it against the bad teams, but you know what? They really show up for the good teams. Which is it? The Leafs, they got those spaghetti goal posts. They, they got those... What's wave- the TikTok thing where the... You know? yeah. they, they got those uh, wacky, waving, inflatable, arm flailing, two-man goal posts. Mm-hmm. Listen, I don't think there's anything wrong with pointing out that A, the Leafs are extremely good. Yeah. B, the Leafs can very obviously hang with the Boston Bruins, who they beat last time. Yeah. And C... They lost the same way they always do by giving away the game. They gave it away. Like Tampa, the, the game seven against Tampa, I think that was an interesting case of, ah, you got bested. But almost every other playoff series you can look at and go, here's how they gave it away. They gave this one away. Uh, Connor Timmons before the game was like, you know, I'm going to watch exclusively Alex Galchenyuk highlights. And that's how I'm going to play tonight. 
and just gave it right away at the blue line. D to D pass. You that get, was you that get was kicked rough. off of video game hockey teams for doing that, Ian. And <laughs> you, you know, uh, uh, Riley, abysmal, abysmal, not good enough. It's got to be better. And your captain. Like, what do, do we ever expect Patrice Bergeron to ever let the Bruins down in any way, shape, or form? I'm sure he has. We don't watch them as closely as Bruin Fit, right, Jess? Yeah, 100%. I'm sure he has. I'm sure he yeah. has. <laughs> like, you're to- making grand statements about <laughs> very well, uh, you're, you're upset delicate with Ta- things. Tavares has been amazing yeah, this year. And he held himself accountable after the game by calling himself out for making a bad mistake with less than 90 uh, seconds left in regulation. Don't don't take it up with me. Take it up with John. I was John very I was very confused at who you were upset with during your LFR because it didn't sound like you were talking about the team or the players. It sounded like you were talking about fans' reaction to a middle of the season loss. It's as all a, of it. Okay, as it's opposed all of it. to okay. like you're analyzing the team and where they're at. When, when I, I'm sorry. When did I? When did it become prohibited for me specifically <laughs> to get upset about a Leafs loss? Oh, I, I because it happened. We're not saying. Hey, listen, nobody, nobody said that. No, nobody said that. <laughs> Bullshit! No one said that. No, I'll I'm give you me in this room. I didn't say that. I'll give you my. So who I'll you, give you my Twitter for twenty four hours. Okay, you would that, fucking melt. You're talking about your Twitter. <laughs> we're, we're not saying we're that. We're not having a conversation. I'm just saying I had a different reaction than you did. <laughs> I just need to know what either of you are upset about because I'm sitting here and I'm still very confused. Oh, I'm not upset. I asked, what are you concerned about or what your you mean, questions are? You mean are. with the Leafs? About me. Oh, no. I it was seems just, to be with my reaction to the team. Certainly not. No, my, my whole thing is, is that I, I was, I, and, and I said this, I think, in my opening statement, <laughs> that I think that I, I thought I was like, wow, like, I, I, I didn't listen to you and go, this guy's fucking crazy. I was like, okay, well, that's a really good point. Because what I found myself doing was, was asking myself, am I holding this team to the, uh, to, the, to the standard that they should be held to, which is Stanley Cup contender? Yeah. Right. And that's that's what I did, because my I had so much fun watching the game on Saturday night and like a bunch of Bruins fans, including Pete Blackburn, try to like dunk on me. I'm like, I don't know, man, I had a good time. This is a fun game. It was a fun. Game. And and so I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. But my uh, uh, I guess when I listened to your reaction, I thought, OK, like, is the am I like am I in Loserville here? Am I am I expecting am I expecting not enough, I guess. There's a more eloquent way to put it. That's what I. That's what your video video kind of challenged me on, and I and I haven't been able to come to a conclusion on it. Is that fair? Yeah. And, and my point was to to piggyback of Adam's reaction because I feel like a lot of people had Adam's reaction to that, and then in the LFR, you seemed to take issue with people who had a uh, a reaction like Adam's, where I was like, "Oh, that was a good game." No, no. <laughs> It was a good game. I said it was. You a did. Good you game. did say that. Yeah. You did say that. Yeah. 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 It was a good game, but it's but not when, enough. When it comes to these tight games, why does it always seem to be the Leafs to be the ones to give it away? But they I, won. They won the last one. They did win the last one. <laughs> so we all not, acknowledge. So it's not every time. We in the yeah, but Jesse. You're moving the goalposts again. This was a tight, entertaining game where it was given away in the final 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. That's not what the previous game against the Bruins was. That was a solid, hard-fought win 
under unique circumstances, it, we this, all seem to this acknowledge. This was a solid, hard-fought game where they have uh, Morgan Riley, who's playing like dog shit, playing mm-hmm. right now on the, the most minutes out of anybody. Which is ridiculous, and then had, by the way. They have a guy who couldn't make the Arizona Coyotes as their second top pair defenseman. Like, I feel like that's a better analysis. Oh, Jesse, that's trash. No one was talking about Connor Timmons in that regard heading into this game. Not one person was talking about, yeah, well, you know, it, it's Connor Timmons. He fucking sucks. No, no one was talking no, but, about no, him but in when, that regard. When he's showing who he, he's like coming back to where he actually should be. So like I take from that game, like uh, we have so much time left in the season. They're at 44 games. I'm like, okay, so now we need to evaluate the defense and see like, Timmons probably shouldn't be playing this much. We need Riley to get back with Brody because we've tried him with um, uh, Jordy Ben. We've tried him with Justin Hall, and now we've tried him with Connor Timmons. And that doesn't work. Like I'm, I'm looking Zaitsev at this game like how we, and how we sit and we look at every game where we just look at what happened. We we evaluate going forward. I didn't know it was a special game. Well, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you didn't, it's you a didn't little special. It's a little special. It's a little special. Little. The Leafs for uh, they're fourth now, I think. But for all of last week, uh, last week they were second in the league and second in the division. Mm-hmm. The Bruins are the litmus test, and it's just another game. Yeah, no, not not a just Le- another game in terms of like going into it. Obviously, it felt like a playoff game. Like Adam yeah. was very right Man, about and the, the fans. Like, no, they lost. I mean, I mean, coming out of it. Like, I didn't, like, the reaction to it should be like, hey, this is how we evaluate all the games, We're, so we got to evaluate this one. Like, we evaluate it as it was, in that we, we're, now we're taking, we're moving forward here. We're not, we're not blowing things up because of what happened. I didn't say to blow things up. Yeah. My, I wasn't even offering what to change, other than Morgan Riley needs to pull his head out of his ass. Yeah. What I was offering is it does seem to always be you. You know what I mean? The Leafs lose on Tuesday against Florida, and it's identical. I won't be as upset. The Leafs lost to the Red Wings. What Was it the game before yeah. the Bruins? Yep. yep. I, was, I wasn't upset. Second half of back-to-back with travel, guys are sick. Mm-hmm. I wasn't as upset. So- this was a litmus test. It was fair to call it that. and. Once again, so what, what were really the things? good, really good lost. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's get into it because I think I think that distinction is important, and I want to know. To me, I, I think you're right in the fact that game. What the fact that it's, is it game forty three? It was forty four. Okay, game forty four. Mm-hmm. That part doesn't matter. That they play Boston matters. Yeah. yeah, right. Not all regular season games are equal. Of course. Yeah. Otherwise, there wouldn't be dynamic ticket pricing. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, so I think so. So I, I want to start. Let's start from the beginning of it, because there's a few things that both of you mentioned that I wanted that I, I do want to talk about. I think the first thing is starting on time. And this this mm. is something where if if you know, if you're a Leaf fan, I think we should all be united in this. There's no argument to the contrary that the Leafs have had an issue over the last five to seven years starting on time. And this was not the game to not start on time. They've they been better always, about it this year. They, are, they have been. Way better. Way better. But way too often, it's an intensity issue. Uh, like the Bruins came out frigging flying. And they play with an unbelievable, or played with an unbelievable uh, intensity to start. I would say the opening two minutes. 
Mm-hmm. But it's amazing how often those opening two minutes seem to define a game. I don't think it defined this one, but they owned the Leafs in the first period. And the Leafs were probably lucky to come out of the first period with the result that they did. It only being 1-1. Matt Murray made the best save of his Leafs career, probably. That was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm trying to remember the first goal. Was it Michael Bunting? It was Bunting. I'm trying to remember exactly how it happened. Like, good result for a period where Boston utterly dominated. 16-6 to six with the shot. Yeah, and listen, you should not. You should have had a goal in that period. Sometimes you're going to get your show run, and it's sort of how you weather the storm. That was encouraging, actually. I thought I didn't like the start, but it was encouraging overall. I just looked at I looked at the Leafs' goals, mm-hmm. and the Leafs took it from the Bruins. They took those goals from the Bruins. That's good. Mm-hmm. Because you can't just rely on what the other team gives you. I just I look I look at the playoffs, and this is a playoff litmus test. It is. Don't apologize for that. When it's even, and there are good teams involved, there always are. You cannot give up anything, and it feels like the Bruins did not need to take anything from the Leafs. The Leafs gave happily it to, gave it to them. So, so let's talk about one of the ones that was most noticeable, and there was obviously two of them that were really big. Yeah. Yeah, the first one, obviously, being Connor Timmins cross-blue line pass to Morgan Riley in the offensive zone without looking. He didn't Brainless. look. Brainless. And, and, and I remember, I think I tweeted like midway through the second period, I'm like, okay, it's probably time to split those two up. It's interesting. A lot of people are on Connor Timmins about that. To me, um, Connor Timmins sat two or three games previous to this little this little yeah. three games and four nights trip and you know he'd been playing limited minutes he'd been playing third line and then he could sort of moved up to the second defense pairing and then against boston sheldon keith's big idea is to put him on a top pair mm-hmm. with morgan riley who cannot play hockey very well right now yeah that man. so to me i know connor timmons did the play oh yeah but to put connor timmons in that position i squarely put on if it was Kyle Dubas that walked down to Sheldon Keefe's office and said, God damn it, I didn't spend uh, an AHL player for this guy for you, for you to sit him. Can you name him? I don't even know who, he, who they traded. <laughs> Curtis Douglas. Oh, Curtis Douglas. I didn't trade I, Curtis Douglas for nothing. The other day I was like, it was, uh... Yeah, and people were like <laughs> upset about say. it at the time, which is weird. Um, no. Uh, if, if it was she, if it was Keefe's decision, if it was Dubas's decision, whoever's decision that was, and I'm assuming it's Keefe, because I do know, like... Our understanding of the Leafs organization is the GM doesn't get too involved mm-hmm. in the um, in the line stuff. Um, the reality is that that is on Sheldon Keefe. You've you've got a you've got a top pairing defenseman who Morgan Riley is, and he's paid like mm-hmm. who's not performing like that. So you can't play him on the top pair. Wedging a guy coming off of a two month injury into the top pair is not the way to do it. Work him through the lineup and let him get back to where he was. And then guy who has played 47 career games, you're going to put him in a game against the Leafs biggest rival of the last two decades. They're the best team in the NHL. And he's going to, because really if, if this was an optimal situation, Morgan Riley would be the guy you'd rely on, right? Yeah. You take Morgan beside, listen, Connor, we're trying him out. We think you guys might have some chemistry. This is a big game though. So do you think you can pick up a little slack if he makes a few mistakes? And it, but you can't ask Morgan to do that because Morgan can't clean up his own mistakes right now. 
No, and he and, makes way too many of them. And so this is... He's fighting it so, hard. So that, for me, is a Sheldon Keefe lease management issue. It's, it, it felt like he was half right. Because um, he put Timmons and Riley together, which I don't hate because that keeps Lilligren and Sandine together and Geo and Hall together. Mm-hmm. But the logic there should be, all right, now I can ride those two pairs more. And put those the others at a third period, yeah. which is what he did with Brody and Timmons, and it worked really well. Yeah, right. And what happened was, I, I did the brief timeline. Like they they tried out Riley and Hall, and it was a disaster. They tried out Riley and Jordy Ben, and it was a, a disaster. So then now they're Very trying out Timmons and Riley, and it doesn't work. And the common denominator here is Morgan Riley's not up to where he should be. You know, yeah. So, so take him out of the lineup. Sheldon Keefe needs to fix what's happening here with Morgan Riley and play him less minutes. You I, can't, you can't scratch him. Like I don't think that's going to help scratching, but you don't play him top pair minute. So there's a big issue. My, my, yeah. So I was wondering though, because the the play has been so noticeably bad. Guys, is there any world where this guy isn't still hurt? He's still got to be hurt, right? I think like if you want to scratch him, like that's that's the excuse, right? You find the injury that's lingering and you give him time to heal that. Yeah. Like, there's a difference and between coming back and coming back without a significant amount of pain. Yeah. And, like, maybe he just needs the reps again to get back up to game speed. Maybe playing him is how we're going to get to Morgan Riley's right. ultimate state. So why don't we start at 15 minutes a night? Right. Well, Not 23. He led the Leafs with 22 yeah. minutes and 13 seconds. And and uh, doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. It just doesn't make no, any and sense. playing in the in the highest leverage minutes as well. It wasn't yes. even like it's not just the minutes. He just played. Win. He played in the most important parts of the game. And like, I wish this conversation started at where it normally does, which was 15 minutes into this podcast when you started breaking down the game how we usually do, and all that stuff at the beginning wasn't there because I feel like like this is how we normally talk about the game, and yeah. this is how we should have talked about it. But I think it's I think it's important <laughs> to understand, like you know, I when. Like when you have an emotional reaction to something, or if I have an emotional reaction to something, you guys will take me aside and go, "Hey, what's that all about?" That's why I, wa- I was curious yeah. about well, it. Well, I thought like it's a curious thing. I didn't think last night's game warrants bringing up 2013. See, you know, I think but, I think well, like in your 2013 <laughs> is is in there because it's in the the psyche, right? But whatever. I didn't think, but like, it's mostly the recent playoff defeats, sure. and they've made all these personnel changes. It's the same shit. And for as poor as the Riley-Timmons pairing was, they made all their notable mistakes in the first two periods. Mm-hmm. What cost the Leafs the game was Tavares with less than 90 seconds left. Right, oh, and, yeah. and we will get to that. Oh, I yeah. want to get to that, but I do want to talk about this too. So the, the, the Bruins go up three to two. Uh, obviously, you have a bunting goal. Who is goal two for the Leafs? For, for the Leafs, Engvall with the Engvall. friggin'... Uh, Unbelievable! And like... Man, that's what he's so. That's what's so tantalizing about Engvall is he can do things like I that. I know, and I just see a goal like that, and I'm like, you're not get, you're simply not going to get that every game. Mm-hmm. That is a once every few months <laughs> occurrence. You have to capitalize on that, man. Yeah, An absolutely. End to end rush from. When was the last time you saw Matthews or Willie or anyone score a goal like that? They on, don't on the Bruins, like through the Bruins on Allmark. That was it's, sick. It's the skating. It's the speed. It's the shot. Like everything about that has to come together. And Engvall possesses that. You just want to see him do it more often. He has a great shot. He does. Yeah. And then, and and this is, I thought this was key. So this is where I was like, okay, now we, now we've hit a different level and maybe I'm wrong. But what I really liked was when the Leafs tied it up, it was Austin Matthews that was the guy to do it. 
Mm-hmm. And, and on re- a great goal. And on a great, like, who else is Just finding that over the shoulder? That was a fantastic goal oh. under a pretty, you know, if we're talking about this being a litmus test game, that's a, that's a lot of pressure. And then him going out, you know, goofing off to the crowd a little bit too. Man. Ice cold. Story. Ice cold. That was, it reminded me of the, uh, the goal he scored on Braden Holtby game six against Washington. Yeah. Just who is able to lift the puck? That quickly and softly on that angle, so gross. If you're going to get into tight games, if we're going to talk about all the playoff series together, because there were some where Matthews just wasn't great. Marner, yeah. Marner just wasn't great. I, I actually am hard pressed to find a playoff series where William Nylander has not been great. He's been pretty great in all of them, maybe Columbus. And that wasn't even the playoffs. Don't tell me it was. I Columbus, wasn't. everybody was bad. Yeah, they were all trash. I except, have, uh, except for Jake Muzzin. He was great. NHL playoff bubble brain damage yeah yeah yeah. who even remembers so my not me i was pretty tired my thing is is when i when i saw that and i'm still holding on to that and maybe i'm just a leaf fan for this but if 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 we're gonna make comebacks and we're gonna have tight games and that's going to happen against inevitable opponent tampa and somehow if we got through them then we would probably play boston we're gonna need guys like matthews and marner to be scoring those goals and maybe uh and willie and Tavares as well and so it was great to see that. Now, with Tavares with 90 seconds to go, I know you both will have your opinions on this, so please, what are your thoughts? I know you talked about it on the, in the LFR a little bit, but you know, 48 hours later, how are you feeling about it? What do you think about it? Has your perspective changed or has it deepened? I mean, I'm not going to crucify the guy. Like it, it, it's the captain who has been underrated probably forever. Mm-hmm. He's had a fine season. It was a bad play. It was a bad play. And for anybody that missed it, can you kind of explain it? Uh, I want to say, I'm trying to remember it, but it was at like the defensive blue line. The Leafs are breaking out. Like, this is the thing. It's not, it wasn't in the middle of a particularly dangerous scenario. Right. Right. And he just sort of gives it away. Like, this wasn't a case of a guy accidentally kicking it into his own net or trying to fling the puck at a danger and he accidentally finds an unfriendly stick. The Leafs were breaking out. The Bruins, give them credit, good pressure on the captain, gets them to turn it over, but it's just the captain letting so, you down. So I guess the key point for you for this game, mm-hmm. if the Bruins had taken a win from the Leafs, you would be better with it than what, what happened, which is the Leafs gave it to them. Yeah, because I think then you have an answer. You have a clear answer. Uh, on this night, at this moment, they're better. They're better. Mm-hmm. When you give it to them, there's always the torturous, uh, torturous um, question. What if? I hate being left with what if. It feels like all we have is what if. What if Connor Timmons just banks it off the boards and in, and, and it keeps it in the offensive or, zone? Or, you know, doesn't, they don't give it away. Or, you know, and... I just, <laughs> there were so many things in this game where I'm like, God, don't you all feel like this is disgustingly familiar? Um, uh, Michael Bunting, probably fortunate to oh, not get a call from the league. The kicking thing. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. doesn't that always seem to happen against Boston? And yeah, well, they're not calling stuff that, guys. You can't, you can't lose control against Boston. Guys, this is... It's, it's like turning on Taylor Swift and being confused that she sounds like that. She's always sounded like that. What? You haven't heard this song a thousand times? That's the song, man! 
You turn on the radio and you're confused that the words are the same as they were last time. Those are the words. Those are the lyrics. Sing along. You're not going to get the calls that you like. A Leafs player, whoever it happens to be, I, I guess usually the, the local hothead used to be Kadri. Now it's bunting gets put in a situation where they could potentially get kicked out of the game or suspended. Looks like bunting got away with it. Um, the, the Allmark no call is just funny. Yeah. To I me, mean, it's just funny. Yeah. It was funny. I, you, you wouldn't have seen it. Uh, Jesse, I, I did you see I, the intermission, Jesse? Uh, they talked about it. I didn't. I never. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I saw. I, so, yeah, yeah. so here's the thing. If, oh, you mean you as in Steve? If, yeah. And and I love <laughs> Kelly Rudy. So I'm. I'm. But it's very funny when they go to him for goaltending stuff because he'll never not be pro goaltender. Mm-hmm. So oh. like the goaltender, like the the goaltender could have slashed a guy's head off, and Kelly be like, oh, he didn't mean to do that with a stick. And like Omar for sure threw that. I can understand how they maybe didn't call it. It's not a reviewable play, so there's nothing to review. And off we go. That that's hockey. It happens. But it was funny to hear Kelly go, "Oh no, he didn't mean to do that." That's I'm like, "Come on, Kelly, he meant I, to do that." I can absolutely believe that he didn't mean to do that, and I I don't care. It's, you're not allowed to throw your you're stick. Not, you're not. Yeah, whether or not he meant to is is sort of immaterial, yeah, right? I, I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. I also don't care. Yeah, it should have been called. Fair, Fair enough. Call Fair it, enough. But but in the official's defense, I'm I'm amazed because uh, I, I find on the Saturday night games with the streams, I catch more and miss more. I missed that. Well, I didn't see it. And, but I think that's the fun thing about watching a game with Steve Dangle is you're going to yeah. catch things and miss things that, you know, I, the broadcast is because you can't catch everything. It's hockey. It's I chaos. saw that he lost his stick. Yeah. But I didn't until I saw the replay. I'm like, oh, my God. He like javelined it across. Oh, the yeah. Guy. Well, and I don't think the main camera angle showed it the same way. And plus, you're looking for the puck. You're not looking at the goaltender stick. So well, Marner came like within a hair of putting the Leafs up to nothing. Yep. Imagine how much that changes the game. And so that I was like, oh, my God, how did he not score that? And so, yeah, I was following the puck and Marner. And I thought I what I thought happened is someone got into Marner's hands. Because again, like the, you're not zoomed in or anything, yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. then you watch the replay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm surprised that it, that thing didn't end up in the stands. I understood like there's plausible deniability on Allmark's part, and that he's like flailing, and the stick kind of goes flying, and the panel coming on at intermission and going, "Yeah, he didn't mean it," and then the, them just all agreeing and moving on. Like that's hilarious, but it would have been nice if someone went, "But who cares?" Right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's uh there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff with the Tavares situation coming out of that game because um he had he was great going into the break and then he was great coming out of the break and then now he's had like uh two goodish okay games like below Tavares standard games. It felt like he in that moment he failed the team uh and for the whole third period I saw it as him and I'm going to put a little on Willie too made Sheldon Keefe's job harder because what Keefe did was he switched it up a bit and it fucked the Bruins up. He had bunting Matthews Marner. That line was dynamite. I don't know what, I don't know what the numbers ended up being, but it was only one period and they tortured the Bruins. So that's where I wanted to get to because, uh, Willie hasn't has him great. He's on a six game goal list streak. Is he? Uh, yeah, his shooting percentage is, is plummeting after being 
being so high. All right. Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> you'll get back to it. You know, you go through droughts and then you pick it back up and you'll get back to it. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't been great lately. He was uh, visibly frustrated, which yeah. is something that Willie doesn't happen. When his shot got blocked and he was smashing the stick or yeah. at, at the bench or whatever, like that was, that's something that usually doesn't happen. So he's definitely feeling it right now. And then Yarncroke wasn't great with Tavares and, and, and Willie when they had that little line going, when they, they got put back. And Sheldon Keefe, I guess when the chips are on the table and we get to playoff time, are we just going back to Matthews, Marner, Bunting? Because that's your ultimate line? Because that's when in this game, because we've all established, like, we'll look at it as a playoff game. When the things were the most crucial, he made the in-game adjustment, third Mm -hmm. period, put them on the ice. And I think it was a 92% uh, goals expected for share for that line, which is absurd. I believe it. You know, and and Willie and Tavares at that time, I think they were like 34. Um, So not great. So there's your answer, though. If you need a goal with a few minutes left, yes. Mm -hmm. For an entire period, you can't do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because one line does really well. The other gets caved. Right. And that's that's why we are in this position, because the Leafs are stronger when Matthews has his line and Marner has his line. Yes. Mm. Yes, they are. It. It's like, the, do you put Dreisaitl and McDavid, the two otherworldly talents, together, or do you split them up and make two otherworldly lines? And this is where, like, it's nothing Yarncroke has done wrong. It's, do you have to go out and get that one other guy who just makes your top six well, undeniable? Look what Evander Kane brought to the, to the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is why, like, I know they're doing really poorly, and everyone's running everyone out of town in Edmonton and talking about them missing the playoffs if Evander Kane comes back and he's 80% or up I have a really hard time imagining them missing the playoffs he might be back this week yeah, yeah exactly they need a they need to dump a salary to get him back in the lineup oh, so oh, we'll see you know well-managed cap there might That's be a yesy trade coming soon oh, or we'll oh ooh, somebody got hurt Ooh, I yeah, fell oh you yeah, got a bruise pull, uh, the oh, old Vegas oh no yeah, yeah exactly pull. I can't I it's bad that this player got hurt some good news yeah. if you're a Leaf fan. Uh, both the Giordano Hall and Sandy Lilligren defensive pairings are among the top 20 defense pairings in the league with the lowest expected goals against. Dude, they're bo- this, this is why Riley and Timmons were put together. You can't split those pairings yeah. up. No, you can't. They've been great. by default, Riley had to pair with Timmons. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't work. Yeah. It should have been the third pair. So, so let me ask you this, just to sum this whole conversation up. How do you feel now about the Leafs now? How do you, how are you feeling about this now? And I, and then I'm going to ask Jesse the same question. So be ready, Jesse. I want to, I want some feelings, boys. I mean, about the same, you know, okay. uh, they're undeniably good with a couple hurdles to get over before they become great. Jesse Blake. This is a team that can hang with a team that's putting up a historic season. I'm not too worried. I think they win a round and we get a round two of Boston, Toronto. It's going to be fun. Oh, that would be sexy. Like, I don't so know. based on that game, there's no doubt in your mind they're beating Tampa. Yeah, I, th- I think they can hang with Tampa. They can hang with Boston. They can yeah. hang with Tampa last year. Yeah. And they almost did. They're it. better this year. They've yeah, done, they're they've even done better. Every playoffs <laughs> over the last half decade, they've done nothing but hang. They can hang with everybody. No, I, I think th- they can hang and bang. 
Wow. Yeah. So wow. I, think they, I think they can. I'm with Jesse on this one. I, I feel I feel good. But I feel the anxiety. I get the anxiety. Sure. Because that's what this comes down yeah, to. Yeah. Thank you for acknowledging I, that I, it's legitimate. No, but I, what I, you're I think talking I did. about is fan juju. Like yeah. you sound just <laughs> scarred by being a Leafs fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As long as we acknowledge that that's what's happening. Yeah. And, and, and I feel that. I, I feel that. Like Kyle Dupas isn't sitting there being like, ah, the ghost of Leafs past. I sure hope he's not. I know. Like that's, and I've taken that you're approach. Telling me, that it's a, it's you're telling me. It's a lot more rational in the locker room and in management. You don't think that the most commonly uttered <laughs> phrase by Kyle Dubas in that box is what the fuck? Yeah, that's a hundred percent the thing he says the most. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, probably. A lot of things happen <laughs> in hockey games. What the fuck? <laughs> hey, um, Steve, how do you not sit there the entirety of any game seven and just go, what the fuck? Steve did have a big win this weekend. He bet on an AHL game, bet on an AHL game and was a big winner. And he's going to brag about it. And uh, you can bet that right now. You can bet that with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcoming Dave on and ignoring the fact that there is a Leafs-Jets game on Thursday, which I know Dave will be back on Wednesday to preview. I'm sure there will be some some, <laughs> some some bets that you might want to take there. Uh, but to, for uh, A couple. Yeah, but for, for the Tuesday night game against Florida, there are a lot of Ontario-born Leafs that are about to have a really great game. Oh, boy. Who are oh. they, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because the other day we were talking and then in, you know, just brought it up about the Boston Bruins. And it's like, like there's nothing Ontario wise on that roster. It's so weird. Now, the Florida Panthers are the exact opposite of what the Bruins have. They have eight players, Ontario born of some nature. And, you know, Ontario is a pretty big province because we got some Thunder Bay kids coming in. I shouldn't even say kids. The Stall brothers are are they're still kids. Large children. ass adults. Still yeah, children. They're, they're, no, <laughs> they're still children. Yeah. Um, you, you know what? It's funny because you, you have the eight Ontario born uh players. Uh Carter Varhage's having a fantastic season. He's a former friend, only former friend on the roster right now. Uh we got some hat trick props. We've added Austin Matthews because he's back from his uh, quick little hiccup on the sidelines and actually scored the uh, the other night in Boston. So we've added Matthews, Nylander, Marner to the hat trick prop list. So lots to offer on Tuesday night, gentlemen. Do you uh do you have any inklings of this? No, game? I think Steve wants to brag. He wants to brag, Dave. So can we just give him the floor? You want to brag about something that happened this weekend with Sports Interaction. I, Dave, I want a fortune. $2 (laughs) Steve won a fortune. I love this. Okay, tell me more. Okay, I I promise not to make a habit of this, but I bet (laughs) on an AHL game. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Two reasons why. Sharpster over there. Yeah, eh? right? (laughs) Two reasons why I bet on an AHL game. Uh, number one, it was Joseph Wool going for 10 straight wins, mm-hmm. which is nice banana sandwich. So I was yep. going to sprinkle on that anyway, but I was very surprised to find that, uh, the Marlies were plus plus one ninety for some reason, wow. like decently heavy underdogs against Rochester yeah. who they yeah, are yeah. ahead of in the standings. So okay. I, whatever. Marley's win seven five, baby. Joseph Wool, <laughs> ten straight wins. 
And on my $2 bet, I won $5.80. Let's go! Wow. Let's absolutely go. Wow. Congratulations. (laughs) And you know what? Good research, too, by the way, because there are opportunities like that where, where, you know, it's a smaller league that maybe you don't bet on as often. We had a guy in the office that loved KHL. And it's like, who watches the KHL? He says, there's money to be made in the KHL. It's uh you know if you fine if you've disowned doing it yeah if you've disowned you can just throw it on and they got hockey at weird times of the day oh, yeah. I did that during the pandemic yeah on it right I don't plan on doing it again no okay well there you go because <laughs> you don't have disown you only have Sportsnet now no my sorry my father in law has <laughs> that's right there it is yeah. there it is <laughs> Dave thank you so much and we will see you Wednesday for the Big Leafs Jets game I look forward to it talk to you guys soon. Hey, as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know what success in 2023 is going to look like to you, and you know it depends on your team members and the people you surround yourself ah, with. Ah, mine was how big of a boat I can buy. <laughs> <laughs> That's success to me. 2023, big boat boy. Now buying a boat's cool. I got it. Okay. Um, LinkedIn Jobs uh, can't guarantee you a boat, but can guarantee you higher quality candidates and more efficiently find, like, w- ways to more efficiently find them. I-, I wish there was a way I could say that, but the boat threw me off. Good talking. Not going to lie. Good talking, bro. <laughs> LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates. Listen, we run a small business, too, and it is very, very hard to find the right people with limited resources. You want to pay them properly, and you want to make sure they can come in and feel empowered to do their job, and LinkedIn Jobs can help you with that. It makes it easy to rate applicants based on your job qualifications. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates uh, that you want faster. Post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash SDP. That's linkedin.com slash SDP to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So Steve said something really interesting. Yeah, we don't and usually do this, but it was too good not to. We, we were sort of talking off the air, and it's a conversation I think worth having. So Steve looks at Jesse and I. And I'm, gonna t- I'm just going to be blunt and honest about this conversation. Sure. And he says, man, I just feel like people, do people even like me anymore? <laughs> and, and, and I think it's because what's happening right now with Leaf fans is there's a duality. Okay? There's the fans who are, um, well, there's the fans who are always angry. And the second Kyle Dubas took over, they're like, whatever, nerd, let's smack him with a towel. And, and then there are those fans who are like, Hey, I'm I'm a little scarred and anxious. Even though this team's really good, I've seen this before. I've seen this movie before, and I've seen them take Boston and Tampa to seven games, and they and Montreal, <laughs> and yeah. and not have them do it. And then there's the fans who are like, you cannot say anything negative about this team ever. There's a <laughs> variety of people, yeah, but but it's like it's okay. like if something bad happens, like if if there was a car accident, they'd be like, well. Look at the trunk. The trunk looks like it's still intact. I don't know what you're so com- complaining <laughs> about. Do you know what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. All right. We didn't need the car accident. <laughs> yes, yeah. we did. Yes, we did. But well, then. There's some people who just want to be fans and enjoy the game, yes. and they don't take every win or loss personally. Or emo- <laughs> not, not personally hey. is the wrong word. Emotionally. Hey. Like, they don't, they don't live on the emotional highs and lows. They just kind of have fun watching hockey. I think but then I figured it out. I think what's unfair here, and I think yeah. you're right, but I think what's unfair is that they expect Steve to do the same. Right. Uh, Steve is an emotional person. <laughs> yeah. I think I think you have to understand that the same comment, one sentence, 
can be received different by various different groups of people, yeah. right? So the same game can be received differently by the same by a group of people who all call themselves. Like, I don't understand how a Leaf fan that you can feel like this. Well, of course you can. Right. You can it's totally possible. And and Steve, you summed it up sort of perfectly about how you're feeling, and I think yeah. a lot of people can relate to this. Yeah. So that game against Boston, the way they lost it. Hey, well, you know what? It was a close game, and it was really fun. And you're correct. And I understand that feeling if you're a fan of any other team in the league. Oh, Minnesota played Detroit really close. Or uh, the Kings, you know, they gave Vegas their all, but oh, they fell just short, you know, but it was a fun game and I had a great time. But as a Leaf fan, I don't understand how you relate to that optimism. Yeah. I just don't. Steve said, I can't, re I can't yet relate to that optimism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, like... I feel so silly saying, yeah, but they were close while wearing a Leaf jersey. <laughs> you have to understand why I yeah. feel that way. And I, I don't think there's anybody that could take that away, right? You Like, please, you need to understand. And I understand that as a Leaf fan, my judgment is clouded in that regard. I just want for once, one time, to have that one thing happen that makes me goes, you know what? Maybe there is light at the end of the tunnel. You want to be wrong. Maybe the sun will come up tomorrow. Yeah. I want to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. I am going to show up to the parade with wrong on my, like, I just, I, instead of Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm going to get a custom jersey to take out Toronto Maple Leafs and it's wrong. just going to say wrong. <laughs> On the my anxiety logo. was wrong. Yeah, like you know the Centennial Classic jersey that yes. had the Leaf logo with a hundred. Yes. Yeah. No, mine will say wrong, or W, because win and wrong start with the same letter. There you go. Can I give you an example from something that happened this weekend that backs up your point entirely? Go for it. So the Minnesota Vikings—they're a tortured franchise, oh, just like the Toronto Maple Leafs. I lost my pinata bet. The Minnesota Vikings this season—they went thirteen and five, which is great record. You know, unbelievable. You, you said this season. to me off camera. I, I, we we went through this after oh. you got your your pinata bet with the Vikings in it, and the Minnesota Vikings all season, everybody's called them frauds because one tortured fan base like the Toronto Maple Leafs where they always collapse. They never have the championship run that solidifies them as a good team. And this season, unbelievable year, 13-5 obviously. But in that 13-5 run, they went 8-0 in one-score games. So every close game, they eked it out and they managed to win all of the games. That should be toss-ups. You know, you should mm -hmm. go, mm -hmm. if you're a good team, maybe you go like, I don't know, 6-2 in, in one-score games. But they went 8-0. They lucked out in all of them. <laughs> but then there were a couple losses. They lost to the Green Bay Packers, who are not a playoff team. They got destroyed by them. And then they lost to the Dallas Cowboys as well, and they got destroyed by, by them. And fans like you who've been there for a long time, were screaming. They were saying, look at these losses. Who cares that we're 13 and 5? They fucked up versus the Cowboys and the Packers, and they're not real. I'm worried about this game this weekend versus the Giants in the first round of the playoffs. And what happened? They shit the bed and they lost in the end because their defense couldn't hold the Giants to anything. And all of that throughout the entire season where you're like, okay, but Minnesota, I think they're frauds here. They're, they don't really have it. They're not real. They were right. Paper Tiger. I just feel like... So your anxiety has some weight to it. Yes. Because I, you've been there and you've done that. I just feel like the ignored scientist in every disaster movie. 
No, you don't understand. I've studied this. <laughs> yes. I've I've done the research. Mm-hmm. I have the data. <laughs> and everyone else is the vice president. You're the two seed in the <laughs> NFC. You should dominate this wild card team and the Giants. And what happens? You come out first round of the playoffs. You're out. I feel like we talked about the example was uh, the was it 2013 or 2014, whatever year it was, where Colorado uh, had like Duchesne and O'Reilly and Patrick Waugh was the coach. He won coach of the year. Um, and all year long, they were called frauds and finished third in the NHL. And people were like, ah, analytics is stupid. And they lost in the first round in Minnesota. We talked about that because the Seattle Kraken are in a very similar situation where they are playing way above their expected goals right now (laughs) and are shooting the lights out. Yes. Their team shooting percentage at five on five. This is from 32 Thoughts Podcast. Their team shooting percentage at five on five is at 11%. Team. The, oh, wow. That's the, high. Um, the amount of teams in the history of NHL who shot 11% at five on five, name them. Uh, I don't know. You've named them. There are none. Ooh, they have what? the highest ever. Since the they second, started tracking. Second highest wow. since they started tracking on NHL. Second highest Whoa. ever. Whoa. You're going to love this. You're absolutely second love this. highest second ever. Second highest ever. Uh, Randy Carlisle leaves. 2013 Toronto Maple Leafs. No everybody. way. I love that. <laughs> Tell me the Seattle Kraken are a good team. The nerds were right. <laughs> it's it's you know sometimes there's something behind what you're seeing in terms of the wins and losses column. By the way, I I do have. <laughs> I can't believe that that whole thing was that was a Jesse that was a journey. Yeah. Thank oh you. my god. And I'm glad you brought up Seattle. I do want to insert one little tidbit. Um, when Leaf fans are mad, they need someone to be mad at. And there was a subsection that decided to be mad at Kerfoot for some reason, uh, because after the Leafs lost to Boston, I think Jared McCann had a, a hat trick or something. He had a great game. Um, and well, the Leafs chose to protect Kerfoot over McCann. That's actually not true. The Leafs did not protect Kerfoot at all. Uh, they went four and four, so they protected their big four forwards and four defensemen. They protected Hall. So losing McCann was so that the Leafs could protect Hall. And now I'm not telling you to blast Hall because he's been fine. I'm just saying, Kerfa didn't do anything. Relax. <laughs> hey, make sure you're angry for the right reasons. <laughs> you're going to be angry, be angry for the right reasons. Like... Canuck fans have to be at everything. <laughs> and that's oh. my that's my transition. Um, Man. Download the Sports Interaction app, by, by the way, right now, uh, so you can bet on how many surgeries Tanner Pearson is going to have <laughs> after this. Dude. Guys, this is bad. This is a bad situation, and I make a bad joke because it's a bad situation. <laughs> so, just to rewind, and I'm sure if you heard Friday's episode, you've heard this before, whatever. But, outside of the market of Vancouver, I don't think this is being publicized enough. Okay. This guy gets injured in November, and Canuck medical staff looks at it. He has to have surgery. They want him back in the lineup, though, obviously. They expect him to be back. We don't hear much. And then Quinn Hughes, who's their best player by far, who is unbelievable. Best D. Yeah, yeah I guess Patterson, right? Yeah. Um, he, is, he comes out, and you imagine the weight that he carries in a market like that, and he says, well, they messed it up. I feel bad for Quinn Hughes because I think it was mishandled is the exact 
term yeah. that he used. I think he's generally pretty guarded. And now he's going to say nothing. Right. Because well, he accidentally spilled the beans. So they asked him about it again. Because what's happened now is the Canucks announced, well, we're going to do an investigation. Jim Rutherford was in Florida scouting people. Uh, we're going to do an internal investigation. I, too, would go to Florida to scout people. Yeah, when that was happening. Um, uh, so they're going to do an inv- internal investigation to see what happened. The NHLPA is involved. Uh, Jim Rutherford's whole goal is to get the agent, the player, the physio, the person who was working on it, what, whatever, every player in this to the table to discuss it. And the NHLPA may get in the way and stop that from happening because there could be legal action here. Because oh Tanner Pearson will have a surgery this week and may have another one quite soon to correct whatever the heck happened. And then, and then they asked Quinn Hughes about it. And, and it's interesting because he didn't say, I didn't mean it. Or no, or was a misquote or anything like that. What he said was, "I wasn't taking a shot at anyone in particular," which tells me where the shot, whether he meant it to be or not, is taken at the way things are done, mm-hmm. which is an organizational failing. Hmm. And if you, so the NHL PA is going to meet with uh, Tanner Pearson today or tomorrow. He has at least two more surgeries on his hand that could affect him ever coming back. His hand. Uh, his hand. Jim All Rutherford, yeah, wow. Jim Rutherford uh, will have the press conference tomorrow to t- discuss a little bit about this. Now, usually in this situation, the the investigation is going to take a couple weeks, as you know. These things always take way too long, and he's going to say tomorrow we're investigating it. That's th- my bet. Tomorrow at the press conference is Jim Rutherford is going to say, "Yeah, we're investigating it. It's an unfortunate situation. We want Tanner back. We're big fans, of course, and maybe say something to protect Quinn Hughes." But what I think is fascinating about this situation, and I want to get your opinion on this, because this might be a, an Adam Wilde hot take that, that uh, people hate. It seems like, and uh, is Jim Benning's start as a president perhaps already worse than anything happened that Jim happened Rutherford? under, sorry, sorry, is Jim Rutherford's start as president of the Canucks worse than perhaps anything that happened under Jim Benning? Because what this Ooh. seems like to me Ooh. is Jim Benning, at very least, maybe he didn't improve things, but he could keep the bullshit under wraps. What we can agree on is that ever since Jim Benning left, the shit has hit the fan and it hasn't stopped. So Jim Benning was able to at least keep the pot from boiling over. Jim Rutherford seems completely like, and it's not because he's a stupid man, it's because there's a fucking lot wrong. And it wasn't dealt with for a very long time, and this has been a disaster, and it's under his watch. He, these are preventable issues, Jim Rutherford, preventable issues that you were not able to solve quick enough, and here we are. We got, we got a coaching situation. We got a workplace complaint, mm-hmm. you know, as we, as we discussed earlier. We got bad contract signings, signing Mikheyev, bringing him in at that number. Mikheyev's a useful guy at that number. Not on this team. What did you think you were going to do? Compete? And then JT Miller <laughs> signing. Oh, and by the way, Bo Horvat's come out, had a career year, and you're like, no, we're not going to pay you more than the guy that can't play defense. I, I can't I can't believe he's going to walk. Guys, Jim Rutherford's tenure. Well, or get traded. Jim, yeah. Jim Best Rutherford, case scenario, it seems. Jim yeah. Rutherford's a good guy, extremely successful. Mm-hmm. But right now, this is the most disastrous thing that's happened to the Canucks organization all of this together since the signing of Mark Messier. 
This is really, <laughs> really, really bad. What was worse, the uh, the riots after the Stanley Cup or this? Oh, this is this is right. <laughs> but like, like just remember, a bit. Remember that they, was wild watching live. When, it was. It was like, hey, they lost, and there's some fights in the. Well, whoa, oh, that's a fire! Yeah, Never good crazy. when after a hockey game you got the helicopter shot of smoke. Yeah, that was, just, that, was a, that was a crazy thing. And sorry, Vancouver Canucks fans, but I know, we know that's a sore issue. I get it. Yes. Um, I, I but I want to say the dysfunction here laid bare for before the entire hockey world of the Canucks organization is not only embarrassing, but you just wonder, what do you guys do every day? How do you not know that these problems exist? So this is, I want to go back to when Jim Rutherford joined the Vancouver Canucks. Yep. And I was pretty optimistic about that move. Before you continue, the Rutherford press conference is actually today at 1 p.m. Oh, it's today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really? Well, I thought it was You're probably reading the article so yesterday. So I guess we'll find That's out. Yeah, so, okay. yeah, in like 20 minutes from when we're recording. Oh my god! Well, we might be able to get some live updates for it. Yeah. That's great. Uh, maybe. That's great. Anyways, so that's just my make, opinion beforehand. Make your point. I remember being very optimistic for the Canucks, who even dating back to last year, when they were really awful, like one of the worst teams in the league. In I want to say like November 2021, um, talking about how they shouldn't be this bad. I can't tell you if they're good. I can't tell you if they should be in the playoffs. I can tell you they shouldn't be this bad. And then Jim Rutherford comes in. I've hammered the Aquilini's several consecutive shows. They deserve it. Uh, But the reason Rutherford was a great acquisition is just that. You need a buffer between ownership and the general manager so that the general manager can do their job. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I know what kind of GM Patrick Alvin is at all. You know, like GMs after a year or two, you understand the flavor. You understand their tendencies. We always make fun of Kyle Dubas because we know we, uh, did he trade down? Well, that's very surprising. Did he pick the undervalued, undersized forward? Oh, it's weird. You know, guys have tendencies that they do. I don't feel like I know what Patrick Alvin does because it doesn't feel like anything has changed under the Canucks. And to me, that's not a disappointment of Alvin. It's uh, not a disappointment of uh, the uh, any of the Emily Kestengay. Yeah. Um, they brought in the Sedins for a little bit oh, of yeah. culture change and everything. The guy who was supposed to come in and help change what the Vancouver Canucks organization is has failed and failed in a big, big way. Nothing's changed. Like actually what has changed is that now we all, now we know where the dysfunction is. I guess we're seeing it. If someone had slipped into a coma and you explained to them, they just woke up and you explained to them everything that's happened with the Canucks over the last year and a half. This is a weird TV show. I like this. <laughs> You'd, they wouldn't know at what point any change was made to the general manager. Right. You can't backdate that. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Because it's if continued. If they woke up and they were, what year is it? How long have I been out? I, have the Canucks won the cup? Can I disagree with well, you? I don't know why I gave them politely, a slight I want to politely disagree here. Sure. I think that you can't. Yeah, because the Canucks were a lot quieter than this. Their fans were not. Their fans were pissed. The, the, it was not coming. But but tell me a time 
in the last decades that we've been doing this show, and it's almost 10 years, it'll be 10 years in May, Yeah, that we've seen wow. the Canucks in disorder this publicly. We've I seen think them you're forgetting how loud the end of Jim Benning was. But it was, was loud, loud it was, about his moves. It wasn't loud about the internal politics and the failings of the organization you know running you know their day-to-day operations. Bingo. You know what? Right You're now, right. I brought this yeah. up on Friday, and it's, it's become even bigger of a deal because they keep doubling down in the media about it. Their head coach is fired, but he's still there. Well, that's Rick that's Tockett sad. is the next head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Bruce Boudreaux is still the head coach. They're openly having a new guy. Breach is on Hockey Night Canada going, it's going to be Rick Tockett. And, and every time they interview Bruce Brutro, they're like, Bruce, how do you feel about the game? He's there! Like, I don't know, fired? I'm, I'm going to show up until they tell me not to. What the fuck? Oh. Yeah, that was, imagine that was you, sad. Imagine you're in any other job. Like, you're just a dude who works at a place, and they have your replacement outside the door, and you're just like, I have to come here to work? And no offense to Dallas Eakins, but Bruce Boudreaux is not Dallas Eakins. Bruce Boudreaux is one of the winningest coaches ever in the NHL. This isn't a guy that, or Peter Horchek, a stand-in and be like, hey, sorry, we're going to give you a really shitty half season, and then you're going to go coach somewhere else. I was not under the impression winning, he was a stand-in. He's a winning you know coach I mean? with this team. Oh, they got Bruce, a winning There it is. Oh, oh, like, oh, okay. he, he, they he had won. a winning record. No, 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 no. not oh. yet. Not anymore. I no, mean, anyway. he he was winning with this team. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. and they're and they're just getting rid of him because they don't like us. This wasn't their guy. Well, they and fire I, him. Tell me that doesn't poison the water too. Like Jim Rutherford. As much as I loved how honest he was on the after hours segment on Hockey Night when he, earlier, and he's like, you know, Bruce wasn't my choice. Oh. Like that when you got a team on the edge already, difficult. Imagine your boss saying that to you, even if you're not. Like, I, I know there are certain bosses at the organization, the other organization I work in. I wasn't their choice, but that's okay. That's all right. As long as I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to know. Don't right. tell me that. I don't need to worry myself with that. And I think I understand where Jim Rutherford was coming from. And, and I want to spe- specify here. I have immense respect for his hockey pedigree. This guy has won Stanley Cups in two markets with veteran play. He, you know, one team in Carolina, which was feisty and unbelievable. The other team in, in Pittsburgh that we thought were over the hill. And oh, my God, were they not? Boy, were we wrong. And and so I think I think that with with Rutherford, like, I feel like he can figure this out. I just don't know if he even knew where the problems were. And and so you say you don't you don't know any way to judge Patrick Alvin. I can tell you right now, the Alvin Castengay uh, management group and and their whole team they look pretty timid. That's the word I would put. I, I they, they look, don't look they like don't look they, they don't they, look proactive. They don't look like they know what the problems with roster construction are. They don't look like they're doing anything to offload some of the bad money that they've got. I'm sure they're gonna quote unquote try, but really they don't look like they have the freedom to lead. Your schedule your 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 healthy scratching Oliver Ekman Larson. Good luck ever even trading that at half retained. Uh, it's not going right. to happen. I think those that ship are sailed before those the are Jim Rutherford's people. Like he they hired are. them, right? So, so maybe Jim Rutherford's probably over the hill here. Well, are, are we? Can we go down that road a little? Maybe it's it's the guy at the top who's probably had his run. Well, the last maybe. time we did de- last time we did that, the uh, the Penguins fired their head coach and brought in a new guy, and they won the cup. <laughs> Literally so within congrats. like yeah, what, game forty two. What, what year was that? That was twenty sixteen. Fifteen sixteen. Oh yeah. yeah, six years ago. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I just we think- did say very similar things, and we're like, you know, maybe this guy doesn't know what he's doing, and and maybe Canucks fans are already doing this. But for me, the blaming Jim Benning for the roster construction, although he did put this team together, the current management team 
had plenty of opportunities to change it, but they put their stamp of approval on it by not doing anything. Jesse's pointing at, uh, oh, it's almost his birthday. Jesse's pointing at uh, um, Jim Rutherford, who on February 17th will turn 74. He's been around the game a long time. Mm-hmm. So you're saying maybe maybe they, it's the end of the run. Well, I, I think that you've got a problem. I think Jim Benning knew how to work the system within the Canucks organization, if I'm being honest. And sometimes problematic organizations, you can still hang on to a job and make, you know, maybe he's making a couple million. So he's making a couple sheets, feeling pretty good. And we'll try to win. But really, I'm just trying to manage this job and manage this owner. And then James Jim Rutherford, Earl Rutherford, and then James Earl Rutherford steps oh. into this job and he doesn't know <laughs> where the cracks are. And how, sh- how could he? But the problem is, is that every time he seems to fill a crack, there's another crack. Why did I never know his middle name was Earl? James? And like his real Earl. name was James? He's the Earl of Rutherford. Like, why didn't I? He's James Earl Rutherford. It's a good, it's a strong name. I am your father. I'm not gonna, I will not go as far as Jesse. I, I can't, <laughs> I can't say that I'm like, yeah, no. J- the last time I did that, I got burned like crazy. And to be honest with you, Jim Rutherford's one where he's gone. Where were you six years ago? I got. I was here doing this show, oh, not in this basement, but um, know, a lot. A lot changes. A in lot six years changes. It might be the end of his run here. Well, it just feels like he had a largely people management role. Um, <laughs> Francesco Aquilini manager is is really what the president is. <laughs> that is what. Uh, you know, Brian Burke, I want to say that was part of the conversation he had with us when he uh, was on our show. It was a bubble episode. Don't ask me to tell you when it was, but I do remember him talking. Pretty about sure he was drinking a highball while he was on. It was great. He, or had a spitter. Yeah, yeah, whatever. He had at least one of those two things. He might have had both. What a legend. Um, but, you know, he he talked about the the need for a buffer sometimes and other teams have had a buffer and then it went away and things went south it's just it seems like the height of dysfunction and you know what's going to be really weird when in about a month rick tockett and bruce boudreau switch jobs I was like well i have a prediction TNT's about gonna that lose a pretty big analyst right before the trade deadline that's tough bring but, in bruce uh I, I yeah bruce would be great um i think i, I actually have a, a theory on that and they're gonna wait for the tanner pearson thing to be wrapped up before they bring in rick tockett they want to have that be a definitive start point and what they don't want is to bring in a coach and then say let's say the tanner pearson investigation turns up something really bad and it further deflates things on the team well you don't want your new head coach dealing with that Leave, if you're already deflated, how much more air can we let out of this balloon, right? Like I, the balloon is just yeah. sad. It's sitting on the, it's abandoned by its child. It's sitting on the sidewalk. Let a little more air of it. Who cares? But I think when you switch the head coach, you want that to be a definitive start of a new era. Mm. And that is why they're going to make Bruce Boudreaux coach this team. And Ian McIntyre has been saying, and he's been tweeting this like every day, the players will play for Bruce. Yep. The players love Bruce. They're playing hard for Bruce. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I think back to when Ron Wilson got fired and fans were chanting for him to be fired and Brian Burke called it, you know, a a mercy firing. Basically, Mm -hmm. you know what I've never seen before fans chant in favor of a coach and then he gets shit canned. Yeah. (laughs) Which could happen. Yeah. Like if the Canucks get like a pretty decent lead in their next game, whenever it is in fans, I hope they don't Bruce. There it is. And then he gets fucking canned. I don't think they, 
Oh, man. Oh, you're underestimating Canucks fans. I don't think they hate Bruce Boudreaux, though. No, 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 no. I'm saying no. they'll, they'll cheer. cheer in favor yeah. of him. Oh. They'll do Bruce, there it is. And then he gets I feel, fired. I feel like a little like this is Gladiator. Like, you have to win the crowd, Maximus. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> win the crowd. And then they fire him anyway. <laughs> um, okay. So a couple. And, and uh, they're, the rumors are, are crazy in respect that we already know that they're trying to fill out the rest of the coaching staff as well. So oh, Sergei Gonchar, uh, who was uh, coaching uh, or with the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, the last time. Mm. Oh. Uh, they're thinking Jim Rutherford, Penguins, Gonchar. Uh, he's also looking to be a part of the Rick Tockett coaching staff. A player I always wish was a Toronto Maple Leaf, Sergey Gonchar. Loved him. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you guys Metal this. Metal Magnetogorse legend. So for the for the uh, Rutherford, Alvin, Casting Gay, whoever else you want to include in that management group, for this management group not to look timid, for this managed group, management group not to look like they're letting life happen to them in, instead of you know taking the bull by the horns. Mm-hmm. The first opportunity since the last four opportunities that they've had to do this is the trade deadline. There are two names involved and I'm going to leave the better one for last. But when I say the name Luke Shen and Steve, Jesse, I, you saw the intermission show, so you, you can't comment on this one. But Ellie and Jeff were talking about, um, they were talking about landing places for Luke Shen. Mm-hmm. Who do you think was number one on the list to land Luke Shen? If you say Toronto, I'm going to kiss you on the mouth. Be prepared not to kiss me. Oh. Where do you think? Oh, you know what? I think I did actually see this, and it makes perfect sense. Tampa. Exactly. And I thought you'd hate it. You want a cup there. Yes. And I just thought you'd hate that. (laughs) Of course I do. I Uh, saw that. And I said, Toronto needs to trade every draft pick for Luke Shen. <laughs> is that what every, you're going up, They're going up against each other. Take them away. It's, yeah. Well, I don't want last year again. Do the Billy you know Bean. Hagel? Yeah. That's actually. Are you kidding me? That's actually go a get, decent point. Go get Luke Shen. Scratch him. I don't care. The, yeah. Don't play him if you don't want to. Yeah, just make sure. But he's, he's good. You would want to play him. Yeah. He's actually been really good for uh, the Vancouver. The least need to get Luke Shen. Is that not what it is? Well, it's what like what Billy Bean and Moneyball, right? He's yeah. like, he wants Rincon and he can't get him because somebody else wants him. And then he gives the other team a reliever. And then it's like, well, Rincon's price just went down. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Go get Luke Shen. Please do this. The uh, Alvin and Kasten Gay and that whole management group, they have a fascinating job over the next, what is it, six weeks mm-hmm. or so? Maybe less. Um, because... Look at how ridiculous the Canucks have been all year, like from an organizational oh. standpoint. Their phone has to be ringing off the hook. Oh, yeah. Just oh, yeah. everyone handing them every grenade and anchor uh, that they have. But it's that time of year where they, like, you just hang up the phone and ignore them. It's fine. But now it's that time of year where you actually have to do something. You have to get value but, for Shen. But we could have said that at last year's trade deadline. We could have said that at last year's draft. And we could have said that last year during free agency. All of those things you said were true. Last March, last, uh, what, uh, tra- I'm sorry, last March, last June, and last July. and I, Or April or whenever the trade deadline was last year because it was a little delayed. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right, 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 right. All of those things, what you just said were true. And the reason to me these guys look timid is because at those three opportunities, they either swung and missed or chose not to swing at all. And I think it's the latter. And all they did, really, the, the JT Miller contract was a bunt. It was a bunt. It's a bunt move. Well, we don't want to lose him and we can't find a good spot. So I guess we better sign him to an eight 
year contract. That thing with, that has not even kicked in. That thing with Miller and the Islanders, uh, and him potentially going there. I gotta know who was ultimately the decision maker who said no. I think the the, the trade leaked and Lou said no. That's what I heard. That it, Lou he, what a him. what an absolute madman if that's what happened. But that's what happens when you employ an 80-year-old. He tends to not give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Doesn't. He, now, he looks at Jim Rutherford and he goes, that whippersnapper. So here's Kids the, these days. So the way this plays out is a p- another potential landmine for the Canucks management. We'll see how they stick handle it because it could be somewhat positive. If you talk to Canucks fans, they're like, listen, we're okay with Horvat leaving. We hate it. But we get it because we're going to have to rebuild. Those aren't the same. We have to rebuild this, right? Yeah. So if you can re-sign him, good, I guess. But still, there would be questions about where's this team going? He's already 27, 28 years old. So there have been teams that have been allowed to make offers. And of course, as we learned from Agent Provocateur, oftentimes it's the agent that goes out and solicits the deals, which is right. crazy. It's like, why do you even hire a general manager? But the agent comes out. One team was willing to give their top, their top prospect a player and apparently a pick. Three assets is, is, is what? For Horvat. For Horvat. But no team yet has been given permission to speak with Pat Morris about the extension that inevitably any acquiring team would probably want. Mm-hmm. So the Canucks are holding this card back because apparently... They want to take one more swing at re-signing Bo Horvat, and that to me is the landmine because I think they should. You think they should re-sign him? I think they should uh, make it uh, make a real honest effort because supposedly their uh, offer was like in the sixes. Get real, get friggin' real. But if you don't re-sign Bo Horvat, you got to get rid of him. You got to get rid of him now, right? Mm-hmm. Deadlines clarify the mind and teams can squeeze you. And, you know, Luke Shen, obviously, uh, squeeze. If you're able to sign Bo Horvat, one, you get to retain a really good player. That's Mm -hmm. never a bad thing. And number two, I think you get to control your own destiny a little bit more. Okay. you. I'm curious about this. You get to tell other teams, here's what's going to happen. Here's what we're looking to do. Rather than teams basically shake you down. You go out, you put JT Miller into the market. I mean, it, the one thing that it does force is you can't keep both. You got to get rid of one. Right. right. So you go out, you put JT Miller into the market. Let's be honest. You're not going to get great value. You're not. But you get to retain your captain. You get to retain a really good player and you get to move on. Now, would you, be able, would you well. be able to trade that JT Miller contract, Steve, without retaining? Because again, it hasn't kicked in yet. <sighs> Isn't that the rub? To me, the perfect fit for a guy like that is Carolina. And I know they don't need him and they know they're not going to trade for him. And I'm not suggesting that there's any sort of link there. But if there's any team that's going to cover up defensive woes, it's them. And they could use his punch. If you're a team that uh, is desperate, you delete Carolina's number from your phone. Yeah, yeah, because Don Waddell's going to take you for everything you're worth, man. Yeah. He's, he's unbelievable. We'll talk about you Ned him, in a minute. Jim, I know you have friends there. You're not allowed. Okay. We'll talk about you're Ned. I know you're, I know, I yeah. know. I know exactly what you're going to say. Um, so, so you don't think, you actually think the best bet for the Canucks here is to just resign him? Yeah, unless someone's dumb enough to give you a ridiculous amount of stuff. Okay. I think you should probably 
try to keep him. Jesse, what are your thoughts? What would you do? For the sake of the organization, is it best if you move on and you really try and tear things down? Like, if you get the assets that he's going to bring back, is that better for the future of the organization? Like, I'd love to know, like, what the, if the package is that much, like, that's probably a better way to move forward than just three major assets. Than having the player, you know, you're probably better off in the future having those three assets as opposed to having them. Because what's, what's the new rule? That you guys mentioned, uh, only teams in the bottom 10. You can only move up 10 spots in the lottery. Boy, okay. One, two, three, four, five, six. The Canucks are seventh worst in the NHL. They're two points behind Ottawa, four points behind each of Philly and Detroit, and five points behind each of Buffalo, Nashville, and the Panthers. Hmm. You think the Canucks should go hard for Bedard? You have to make a decision here. If yeah. your decision is go hard for Bedard, you fire Horvat out of the building with a rocket. Mm-hmm. But if you're, oh God, it's every year they seem to be in this position where they could easily go for it and pull the shoot. I don't have an update on the Thatcher Demko injury situation, but if you're starting goaltenders out, that's like, killing them too for extended periods of time. We all we all know the best way to suck is by not having a goalie. Dude, so, heading into uh, this season, I was optimistic about the Canucks, and someone reached out to me and said they are a Demko injury away from the Bedard sweepstakes, and here we are. The One of the latest updates from the province, the province uh, was that Demko unlikely to return before February, Ooh. so we could be getting into February, and Demko's still out. Why not just fucking sell on the season? Suck a little harder. You can, I think you can keep Horvat and sell on the season, but if you really yeah, want to gut the thing, yeah, I know that's the thing. It's like you want that that cap hit and the player, or you want all these assets and sucking harder. You know, I've uh, first of all phrasing. Second of all, I don't. Yeah, I feel like Bedard <laughs> is so damn good that we're losing sight of how good the rest of this draft is. Mm-hmm. Fantilli and Mitchkov, and there are some franchise altering players to be had and you can win the lottery and if you move up to second or third it's not you're okay it's not a catastrophe oh yeah this was like in the last like five years i don't think i've watched so much world juniors because the teams were so much fun and so good and there's Connor bedard obviously but the rest of team canada and some of the american players like there's some real talent in this draft what what is it? Thirty nine points in his last ten games for Bedard. Oh, Bedard! And yeah. If you're if you're playing in Regina, by the or if you're living in Regina, you need to be, uh, you need to be going to those games as much as you can to to be there. Yeah, man. you need to see this. Uh, he had a two goal, ten shot game. Oh, there it is. No, bring it up, bring it up. Which mm-hmm. actually snapped his streak of five point games. So so here, so so. <laughs> You've heard of five. You've heard of five game point streaks. Yeah, this is a five point game streak, <laughs> which I've never heard of. Never, not five once point in my life. Five game streak. Yes, yes. Five points. Five game every game. Streak. Five, yeah, yeah. It's just it's crazy. <laughs> what was it? Three um, consecutive games. He had five points. Yeah. Or oh, it's only three games. Oh, it's five three? point three game streak. Yeah. Was it three? Three game, five, five points. Point streak. There you go. There you go. Three game, five point streak. Yeah. Three there game, you yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> and here's here are this here are the. Do you want to hear the stats throughout the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read them. So game one, uh, four shots on goal, one goal, four assists. Game two, four goals, thirteen shots on goal, two assists. Game three, three goals, two shots on goal, six shots. Uh, sorry, 
three three goals, two assists, five points, six shots on goal. And as Scott Wheeler put in a disappointing two goal performance from Bedard tonight, only ten shots on goal. (laughs) This is crazy. You are a bum, tiny child. This is fun. This is really fun. The other person that uh, we want to talk about uh, who's just tearing it up is Nella Lupsanova. Uh, she's the one that did the, is it the, it's not the Michigan. Oh, no, it is she Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. She did the Michigan. Um, and what was crazy is, and I didn't realize this, it was pointed out on Hockey Night in Canada that she was, she's playing in the same league as Yuri Slavkovsky did. Yeah. And in U-16 five. U16 league. U, it's a U18 league. Is it? Yeah. And yeah, U18. so, well, I guess she did play in the U16 league oh. as well. And I've also got a U18. So I guess the Slavkovsky, she's played oh, 10 games. U16, yeah. In the U16. I think yeah. the confusion is she was playing at the U18. For Slovak. Oh, the that she's that's in my bad. U16. So in the U16, she played in the same league as uh, Slavkovsky, 10 games, 15 goals, 16 assists, 31 points. This is a Her men's league. team's top scorer. It's a men's league. Yeah. Boys, I suppose. Boys, but they're all. But that's. She outscored Slavkovsky at that age. That, that, is, a, that is crazy. We got a legit Special. shot on the first female ever drafted the nhl yeah people like, were saying ridiculous. that and like i i saw that and you know uh, people you know what people are going to say to that what there is impossible never happen no what, she, what if she has the skill i know so, like <laughs> i know but i'm just i'm pointing it out my only be, reservation is that's a child like yes, she's yes, yes 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 she's, she's gonna be 15 in a few months but it's terrifying where she's at oh, like yeah. she's unbelievable people talk about like the size thing too she's i looked she's tied for the tallest forward on her team <laughs> it's amazing at, at five seven though yeah because again these are children i i heard that no under undersized forward has ever made the NHL. yeah i've heard that too that's, yeah. that's no martin true. st louis uh he Theo never Fleury, exists never. he was actually a, a figment of our imagination johnny gaudreau noted uh lowest paid player in the league <laughs> can we just throw it out there too is that i said under 16 you said she was 14 that means she's got two years of growth in this league or 15, 14 Yeah, or 15. like, let me let me look at it because she's 14. I don't no. know a ton she about this She turns 15. Dude. Guys, she was born in 2008. <laughs> what? <laughs> she's 14. She'll be 15 in February. Oh, my god! I goodness. started LFR in 2007. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. So this is So this is what I'm saying. Like, so she not only. She was born the year Stamkos was drafted. Not only is she tearing it up. We got in a that league, shot here. But she's two years in. More in that league before she graduates yeah. to the next league. Yeah. That's crazy. We're watching you something we've never day. seen before. This is cool. We've, we've never had this. This is cool. My days, I'm very upset. Um, also, by the time, uh, if she wants to not play in the NHL, there will be option of a full-time women's Hell league. yeah. Hell yeah. Maybe a couple. Uh, safe to say this will not be the last we ever hear. I, I'm hoping we hear life. more. I want more. Our next product is a pretty cool product. And something that I know Jesse really likes. Woo! Specifically. Big boats! <laughs> Athletic greens. No. Athletic greens. Oh. And Jesse likes it because, like most people, Jesse my, is my in love ears. with... He's in love with Lewis Hamilton. Ah, oh, That's Lewis. right. <laughs> oh, Mercedes okay. AMG. So, Jesse, tell me something. Yes. Most green drinks yeah. taste like they're green drinks. Oh, yeah. Athletic greens. Delicious. Actually, yeah, yeah, no, they no come, BS. There's a little. It comes with a little like plastic athletic greens bottle, and you pour the little powder in there, and then you add some water, and then you shake it, and then you just drink it. How do you it's do perfect. it? What do you do? Yeah, shake it. That's right. Seventy-five high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. 
It will help your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, your aging, all of those things. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading through flu and cold season, right? Because, hey, we, we're in it, uh, but we're not through it. You know what I'm saying? Feels like we've been in it for three years. It's Yeah, it does. It's just one scoop with a cup of water every day. And Jesse, what do you do with it? You drink it. No, you shh. Come on. No, after you shake it, shake it, Thank you, you drink it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens <laughs> is going to give you one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash SDP. That's athleticgreens.com slash SDP to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Going to need you to show me how to shake it again. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, this is, uh, as of this recording, it's called Blue Monday, uh, but this week is known as one of the hardest weeks of the year for people. They call it the most depressing day of the year, believe it or not. That's why they call it Blue Monday. January? I could do without it. Yeah. Honestly? Yeah. You could skip January. You could skip January. <laughs> we, could we do an 11-month calendar? Yeah, 12's too many. Yeah. <laughs> 11. Listen, if, if you're feeling a little bit down or you're feeling like you wanted to speak to somebody, better help might be for you. The thing that they do that is different from a lot of different places is you're able to connect with somebody uh, the way that you want to connect with them, meaning that if you want to do uh, you know, a video chat, that's fine. If you want to just do it on the phone, that's fine too. If you want to just do text, that's all you're comfortable with. BetterHelp obviously personalizes that experience for you. And if you're not feeling it with your therapist, that's okay. They're going to match it with somebody else too. And, and so the whole thing about, about therapy is finding that person that you feel like you click with and you feel like that you can speak honestly to. And uh, BetterHelp def definitely helps with that. So if you're thinking of giving a therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option, convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash SDP today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash SDP. Think you know which way it's going to go? Make your bet at Sports Interaction. Whether it's hockey, basketball, or the road to the Super Bowl, get in on all the action at Sports Interaction. Bet pregame, live and play, or one of the many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now to see all that sports betting has to offer. If you want to bet, head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. That is sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. 19 plus, please play responsibly. Um, okay, so let me ask <laughs> you guys this. Shit! So, What's wrong? Oh, it's just the 2008 thing. Fuck oh, me up. I'm sorry. It's going <laughs> to happen more and more now. Wow. We were, yeah. Anyway, so let's, let's talk about this. John Davidson, not to be confused with the former longtime Columbus Blue Jackets, John Davidson. The, the, this is the other John Davidson from Chicago. You're talking about Kyle Davidson. Kyle Davidson, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> not they John have Davidson. different names. Kyle. That's Kyle. why we shouldn't get them confused. <laughs> that's why we shouldn't get them confused. That's why I get them confused. Kyle Davidson, Chicago Blackhawks. When the Chicago Blackhawks made the moves they made, including with the Toronto Maple Leafs at the draft, people said, whoa. whoa. Dubas fleeced him. Dubas fleeced him. Can you, can you believe they took that entire Peter Morazic contract? Can you believe they did this? Can you believe that? And... I'm looking more and more at this, Stupid and I'm like thinking, I'm thinking like, maybe this guy's a genius. The Peter Morazic trade is the best thing the Chicago Blackhawks could do to accomplish their goal, which should be and must be drafting Connor Bedard. Yes. This weekend, Peter Morazic let in four goals on five shots before he was replaced with Alex Stalock. Who allowed two goals on his first six shots. Against. Right. Also, bad. Peter Morazic's save percentage was 200 
<laughs> and on the season this year, his I've save never per- seen that. His save percentage on the season this year so far in 16 games is 875. His goals against average in those 16 games. Guess. Fucking guess. 4.1. Jesse. Uh 4.0. 4. 4.26, gentlemen. Whoa. <laughs> So, oh, so listen, you could say that he got fleece and maybe dollars to donuts. Maybe he did. But if they draft Connor Bedard, it doesn't fucking matter. And they are giving themselves the best opportunity to do so. I want to look. I want to look it up. Who is the worst? I, don't, I hate to give him credit for that. Save percentage in the NHL. Currently? Yeah. You well, have to be over a certain amount of games. Mm-hmm. No, I know. I, I just remember before the season, you know, we were talking about the Connor Bedard sweepstakes and who's got a shot. And I think we were overdoing the Coyotes. Not because the Coyotes aren't... I, I mean, it's, they're pretty bad. They beat the Leafs twice, but they're pretty bad. Corral Vimelk is too good of a goalie. Yeah. He's way too good of a goalie. Trade and, him. And they're, well, they were talking about that on 32 Thoughts. Mm-hmm. They're going to trade him. They'll, they'll take a... They should. They'll yeah. take a package for him. Oh, yeah. They should. Look uh, how many teams are needing a goalie? a goalie. Yeah. And he signed to it. Unreal deal. Uh, what's two million bucks for a couple three. more years? Oh yeah, it's under three. It's an extraordinary deal. Save percentage. All right, let's go to the last page. Okay. Oh my god. Oh my god. Some goalies have been pretty bad. Oh, you got to be god. over ten games. Peter Morazic out of eighty three goalies who have played in the NHL this year is ranked sixty ninth. Nice. Um, out of goalies who have played ten or more games. He is one, two, three. He is fourth last. And like the other guys, they're like, they're kids, basically. Yeah. Or like they're not goalies who you would expect to be starters on any team. There's Connor Ingram. There's Arvid Soderblom, who is uh, his teammate, by the way. Uh, Daniil Tarasov with uh, the Blue Jackets. And then there's Mrazek, who makes three and a half million dollars. Jesse. Um... I have a question because that game was also, it took place with the Kraken. First things I want to say is that the Kraken swept their NHL road trip, but they still, despite being, despite dropping seven or eight on the, on the Hawks, they let in five goals. Yeah. And I, I do think that their team defense is quite strong, but their goaltending, man, I'd be going at, I, I, I just, I, I do, I think there's two, a problem there, guys, that they're, yeah. like for them. I think two things can be true. One, they need an upgrade in net. And two, um, they were up 6-1 after the first, and I think they just shut it off. Okay, well. <laughs> I uh, think but they it, just shut it off. Their, save, their team save percentage isn't great. Um, it's poor. The other thing I want to throw out there is, Steve, or Jesse, can you do me a favor and bring up Matty Beneers? Like a recent shot sure. of Matthew. I just want his picture on screen. Recent uh, shot. If you can. Before you move off of that, who was the first star of the week? If it was Martin Jones, I'm going to laugh. <laughs> Ellie Tolvin. It was Martin Jones. It was. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, because people don't read a stat sheet. Come on. Guys. Well, Martin Jones, first star of the week. He went 3-0 and with a 1.67 GAA, oh, wow, a 933 wow. safe percentage, and two shutouts. He had back-to-back shutouts. Oh, well, that'll do it. Yeah, uh, and the 100%. Seattle Kraken earned four wins en route to becoming the first team in NHL history to sweep a road trip of seven or more games. And not even the first wow, team in NHL history to do that. The first team in NHL or NBA history to sweep a seven or more 
game road trip. That's pretty cool. Wow. That's Who found cool. that now, stat? Now That's it's, unreal. It's a unique stat. It's a, They call them ESPN stats because they always dig. Like, this is LeBron's uh, 100th game on a February 26th where he scored 26 points. Uh, like, that stupid stuff. Because not many teams take seven-game road trips. So it's of unique course. in that respect that you have because West Coast teams are usually the ones that have these long yeah. road trips. If you're a central team, you usually yeah. have your teams around there, so you wouldn't take a road trip that long. But it is incredible that in the combined 200-year history of these two leagues, no one has ever done it except for the Seattle Kraken this year. Wow. Pretty cool. And there's second crack at it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can you bring up Matty Beneers' picture? I can't. Just the, internet. oh, the internet's down. Okay, yeah. well, but let me tell you something. Internet, I mean, me, your internet. No, because my, my internet is crap. Is so bad. The coverage. Let me is bad. Uh, just hotspot. Um. Oh, it's back for me. Oh no, it's not. Okay. Oh. Oh yeah. There it is. <laughs> well, we know it's gone now. Um. Maddie Beneers. I don't know if you know what Maddie Beneers looks like. He looks like a um a child who can grow a beard. There you go, Adam. Which picture of Matty Beniers do you want on the screen? Show me one. I want his. I want his face, and I want it. To, see that one with the Michigan sign behind him? Uh, 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 okay. See that there? Which one? In high school, I was always Up jealous there. of guys. Second row. Second row. Uh, fourth from the left. I was Okay. Bring that up. Five o'clock shadow. Now he's got a bit of a beard, so I want you to imagine this face with a bit of a beard when we do throw it up on screen. Okay. All right. Okay. That man. Oh, it's a video. Oh my god! Oh, don't don't bring up the video. Stop clicking stuff. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> Stop! All right, there we go. Ah, there we, go. we got a good clear picture of Matty Beniers. All right, I I saw him with a helmet on, and he's got facial hair. Of course, he has way more facial hair than I could even grow at thirty four years old. You want to tell me this guy's twenty? <laughs> what are we? Yeah, doing? bro. Yeah, that looks that. Like that's you know. It was almost like remember I told you back in the day when I saw like I saw Marner, I saw Neilander because it was working with the Leafs mm -hmm. and they were get they got off the ice. I'm like, okay, those are like nineteen year old guys. Yeah. Then I saw Matthews, and no, that's a man, and that's a man. Yeah. Matty oh. Beneers is a freaking man. Matty Beneers has Holy. that uh, noon shadow. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. You see what I'm saying? It, it doesn't wait till five o'clock. No, <laughs> are you shows up at noon. A conspiracy theory? No, I'm not starting conspiracy theory. I was just like. I'm like, I'm, I'm just, I just, is Matty Beneers a vampire, Adam? I saw his highlights and I'm like, that is Matty Beneers now? Because when he used to have shorter hair, he looked younger. Dude, that guy looks like he's been in the league for 10 years and he plays like it too. Frustrating. He sure does. <sighs> you know, I didn't think the Kraken would be this good, but mm -hmm. anytime like one of the best players not in the league shows up, oh, it's going to give you an injection of. Oh yeah, Something. um, I have a substantial bet on Matty Beneers winning the Calder Trophy. Oh, I bet you do. Yeah, be a good, nuts because that's a good payout. He's gonna win. Yeah, Jesse's like, why don't you increase your two dollar bets? And I'm like, hey, devil, he's this, got an actual. If devil. this hits, that'll be back to back seasons. I'll hit the Calder Trophy bet because last year I hit most Sider. I mean, I bet Mo it Sider? in like January. They were sort of slam dunks, both of no, them. No, remember Michael Bunting got all that yeah and stuff. Yeah, he did for a while. For okay, a if they're slam dunks, make the bet. I'm going to. Oh, why are they? They're offering the odds. Make it. Okay. Slam dunk. Okay. No, um, I get no credit for this. <laughs> yeah. And then, hey, Jesse, right. you also got to walk from the ghost station. Yeah. Yeah, I know my place. Yeah, listen, if you so want to make more the, time to you, make bets, if you want to make the Beneers bet, download the app. QR codes on the screen. There you go. Yeah, I did it. And I'm going to hit it. And I'm going to get no credit. Did you see Steven Stamkos <laughs> on Saturday night? No. Did you see what happened? No. Well, currently, 
well, going into actually going into Saturday, Steven Stamkos uh, sat at 499 goals. Oh boy, he's really struggled to get over 500. That's right. Feels like he's been there a while. Feels like he. Ha- it feels like he has. Right. Okay. So let me ask you this: um, Have you seen any headlines about him hitting 500? No. That is because he missed two empty net ga- goals at the end of the game. No. And I encourage you to go back and check them out. It was one of those where you go, man. Just could somebody go on the puck and blow it into the net? When's our next game against Toronto? <laughs> when is it? Let me see. Uh, that's a good point. When is it? That's a good point. I know um, it's at least three games from now. Okay, and one more thing here. Uh, according to Nick Kiprios uh, in the Toronto Star, not for sports, that the Maple Leafs are closing in on hosting the All-Star game in 2024. Hooray! I don't have to fly. I don't have to fly. You come to me so mm-hmm. I can hang out with my friends. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, and it's, it, we were talking about that because the, the NHL, like the 2000 All-Star game was sick. It was great. So much fun. When you're, and we were ago. 12 and Jesse was two at that point. <laughs> yeah. No, he was I a was lot younger. 2008, I was born. Um, oh, God. Oh, doesn't that just make you, oh. That's, um, that's unreal. <laughs> So uh, the All-Star game uh, was at the Air Canada Center. Then previously, Toronto has hosted eight NHL uh, NHL All-Star games, but they were all through 1947 to 1968. Oh, jeez. Can I say that this is a bad idea? Why is this bad? Why? Your, the NHL All-Star game should be about growing the game in different markets. Uh, they sh- there's, it should never go to Toronto before it goes to a place like Seattle that just got a team with a brand oh, new a arena. Point. What the hell are we doing here? I do agree that you have to grow the You do have to want it. You do have to want it. Like sure. they, they, bid, they bid on it, and I don't know if Seattle has. Hello, my name is Gary Bettman. I'm telling you, you must bid on this because I'm the boss of things. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's how bidding works. You like your job? I got it for you. <laughs> now... You also do have to um, keep your foothold. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying the Leafs are at risk of losing it. But, dude, they haven't had it in 23 years. The Raptors won a championship. The Blue Jays are getting a lot of attention. You can't just neglect one of your top markets forever. There should be a reason for the Leafs to hold the All-Star game. And it should have been, if, if you want to do it soon, make it the 25th anniversary of the last time. Have a have an excuse to do what? it. Have, that's at least a, uh, that's at least a round number where it's like, oh, this is the reason we're doing it. Don't just throw it there because you need to put an all star game there. Like have a, have an excuse at least. Who cares? I think there are other markets who deserve it more. Toronto doesn't. I don't hate that. that. I don't. Like I, I don't. I don't like, hate that POV. I don't hate that POV. Yeah. Outside of Seattle, I don't see your argument. Vegas could. Be good to have one in Vegas. Did they already? Oh, they had one in Vegas. I mean, yeah, yeah, they, they just did. Idiot. Last year. They're, they're, idiot. Um, oh, yeah, okay. they're going to Florida. I like, I think the Florida this year, obviously. Oh man, I feel like all every underserved um, Southern market. Like, I'd love a one in Anaheim. Vegas, Florida, and Nashville are not underserved. They get everything, and Arizona is going to <laughs> get it once off. the once the arena is done. Yeah, they'll that. have theirs. Gary yeah. that makes perfect sense. as they should. Steve, and you you're like, oh, what other market? All of them. Just name all of the markets that aren't the top, like, original six big markets. Now, there's there's nothing to having the All-Star game at Madison Square Garden. Now, you probably don't... I don't think they really need it. You probably don't... It's New York! You probably don't make money off the All-Star game. Like, you probably break even. Mm. But, like, I almost wonder about a franchise like Carolina, whose owner is notoriously uh, a spendthrift, will spend on things that he needs to. Great fan base. Great team. But, like... Yeah, sure. Do they deserve it before Toronto does? Yeah, absolutely. 
but is the owner willing to spend? And the Toronto ownership is willing to spend. And that's why I wonder about them kind of being in there. Because again, you know, Jesse's right. Like you want to, you want to grow the game and that's what it should be there for. I completely agree. But the ownership has to want to spend on because they're the ones that are going to foot the bill. Can you make money back? I do have a theory. Mm-hmm. Canadian teams missed out on a lot of revenue over the last few years. Uh-huh. Good point. Because of COVID? Yes. Because nobody was allowed in the arenas. So let's get fans into the building. Let's generate that revenue for a game that previously was not there. Right? I, I doubt it makes the, the same dent that, I don't know, what, 40, 50 <laughs> missed home dates gets you, but it's something. I'm going to tell you right now, the Anaheim Ducks deserve an all-star game. No, they don't. Yep. Get more an all-star. Than, they need it more than Toronto. They need they need a better team first. They need a better they can't, team. They no, can't it has nothing to do with your team. You're saying Trevor Zegers? Are you kidding me? You need a better Make team. Make it than the that. Trevor Zegers All-Star game. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Trevor Zegers Celebrity All-Star game where I do fancy stuff with my stick. They deserve that so much more in Toronto. I think you got Seattle on that list as well. Let me see who else You want to capitalize on good momentum already. Who won the dunk contest last year? I don't know. Who won the dunk contest? No, I'm asking you guys. I don't know. Do you want me to look it up? Well, because I like it's like building the entire All Star game around that. The NBA All Star game is kind of built around the dunk contest. For many years, it was. Yeah, was the biggest attraction. And it's cool when the stars are involved. I'm sorry. I love Zegras, and I think he'll get there. No, I'm, I'm joking about the Zegras oh, bringing no, okay, the All-Star okay, game. Okay, okay. No, but Anaheim, the market, like, he'll be a star at that All-Star game, obviously. And, like, they, that's a market that doesn't have an All-Star game in the last 20 years. They should be ahead of the list, ahead of the Leafs. Mm-hmm. If we're talking, like, oh, they haven't done it since 2000, neither has Anaheim. I'm just naming one market that hasn't done it. They deserve it more. And the Zegras are not going to spend money on it until... Uh, until they have a winning team. They are also a team that doesn't spend at the cap unless they're winning. You got to feed your cash cows too. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, what is wrong with holding the All-Star game in Toronto at least once every 24 years? Come on, man. Pittsburgh Penguins. What about them? Pittsburgh deserves an All-Star game. So does Hamilton. <laughs> Hamilton. They got the winter classic, the man. I think yeah. that was pretty good. Yeah, no. Yeah, or Heritage I, I Classic. Think, I don't I don't understand the purpose of going to Toronto to do an all-star game. Well, you I just think, want to fly somewhere. I yeah, that's what <laughs> it is. Just, you hey, just want to go on a trip. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about what they this turn is. down my credentials every time. <laughs> Did they turn us down, by the way? I think I like I haven't received a confirmation, so can you check right now? No. Check his email. I could probably I could probably do it. Okay. All right. Well, while he's doing that. Um, Use your phone of Adam. I, I think it would be really Bell, nice. Internet doesn't work. It's good. It's probably Bell. Sometimes it's good to water the part of your garden that is already green as well. So yeah. I don't mind Toronto getting it. I think it's great. Why not? I also think it's great. I remember how special it was for for me when I'm, I was a little boy and I went to the. I don't even think I went to the game or the skills competition. I think I just went to the. They had like a whole thing in the convention center. With a whole bunch of NHL stuff, and I was just in heaven. It was the best. The best. And Jesse says, nope. No. Screw your kids. <laughs> I don't know. All the Toronto kids who want to go to the All-Star game. Boo Werns. Get in an airplane, losers. <laughs> get in an airplane. I have an inkling that uh, this All-Star game might make money. 
You think so? Remembering here? that they had the uh, the uh, World Cup here, and it helped them make money at a time where they needed the money, and now they need the money. And basically, the Leafs really want the cap to go up. And so uh, they said, give us the All-Star game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse, did you find it? I'm logging in. Okay. Well, why don't we start the press conference, and then we'll find oh. out. Let's do it. Sure. The presser. The Steve Dangle Press Conference. This is going to be fascinating. We can First find- question, Steve Dangle, do you have a question? Yeah, do, do we have accreditation for the All-Star Game? Uh, it says credentialed status requested. So uh, that have not been approved, which I'm going to assume. Oh, I misread it. It's going to mean no, because if they're working, if they're waiting this long, like this is what happened at, what did I apply to last time? It was the, the, the draft? The, mm-hmm. I thought it was the Hamilton game, wasn't it? Was it the Hamilton game? I, I think so. It was. Yeah, it must yeah. have been against Buffalo. Yeah. Anyway, so There's yeah, no you can email and be like, "Hey, just I could, but I'm not annoying the NHL. Annoy them. Who cares? Because they'll just be like, "Oh, we, you've already submitted your request. We will <laughs> review it. Yeah, you know, like they'll give me a fucking corporate answer. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I got to book a flight. <laughs> I got to. Well, yeah, yeah. And buy shorts. I blame Let's this play on the Steve. Canada angle. I, I blame this on Steve's. Gary's seen the podcast. We're never getting it. I agree with that. Okay, Mister, I co-host a show with Alan Walsh. No, it's definitely you. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Um, okay, uh, first question, Jess. I'm waiting for Discord to oh, upload. Okay, update. It does this every time now. Oh, does it? Yeah. Cool. So, well, what do we want to do, guys? What do you want to do? Wrap the show. Yeah. Okay. No questions. No, right, I, no I, was I was kidding. <laughs> oh, yo, hey, whoa, calm down, everybody. No, no, we're good. You we're can't good. load it on your phone. Um, do you have the comments from the press conference? Okay, so who wants to hear press conference stuff? Woo! Jim woo! Rutherford has arrived, according to Thomas Trance. Well, that's good. He showed up. <laughs> number tweet number two. I felt immediately that it had been looked into. Rutherford says of the comments by Quinn Hughes about the Tanner Pearson situation. Rutherford says he spoke with everyone involved and couldn't find anyone whom with whom Pearson expressed concern. Dr. William Regan says that uh, in the course of doing this review, I'm provided a timeline of a course of treatment uh, for Tanner Pearson and his injury. So he provided that and he said he's prepared uh, his report and that his top priority priority is Pearson's safety and full recovery. Uh, Dr. William Regan walked them through the process by which injuries are identified and surgery can be opted for at the NHL level. He's speaking generally noting that he's limited in what he can reveal on Pearson specifically due to privacy concerns, which you can understand. Complications do arise, he says. I will tell you that in this case, that the surgeons involved with Tanner Pearson are experienced and internationally known. Regan notes that he'd use these surgeons to treat his own family. Uh, he's, uh, Dr. Henry Cease, who's another person, it's not a new medical staff completely, notes that he conducted a review last season, worked with Patrick Alvin to ID the new medical team. My team has a vast amount of experience. C says there's confidence in staff from management. Rutherford says that he hasn't heard from the NHLPA yet. His understanding is that they're meeting on the issue today. If it comes and there's issues that crop up over the course of further review, the primary concern will be going to get it right. Dr. Bill Regan uh, declined to confirm any prognosis or timeline on Tanner Pearson into next season. Jim Rutherford said, hopefully the right things were done. And if they weren't, hopefully they are going forward. What a waste of everyone's time. I told you it would be. Um, <laughs> what a waste of everyone's time. Uh, Rutherford said, there's no rush to get him back. We want him back at 100%. Uh, that's about Thatcher Demko, uh, who is exceeding his original injury timeline. We feel he has progressed 
and that's what we hope for. We hope to see him back here in the relatively near future. Uh, about himself, Jim Rutherford said, I'm disappointed in the job I've done to this point. He's disappointed in his ability to carve out cap space, insists the issue with the team isn't the core, but, quote, we may have to do some things beyond what I thought we might have to. Canucks have moved per Rutherford from needing, and I don't know why he used this, quote, minor surgery to major surgery. Um, and he means that on the team. Oh, dear. Um, and then as of 43 seconds ago, so I'm assuming this press conference is ongoing, we haven't had the opportunity to take those steps. We're stuck with the contracts that we can't move. Until we move out or until they expire, it's going to be hard to take those steps. Jim Rutherford is striving to have the most people who know they've already been fired per... <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, Tyler Myers, Oliver ekman Larson, Bruce Boudreaux, who else? Holy oh. shit, Jim. Come on, Yikes. man. Take that mic away from him. I Actually, get, wait, we have a show. Give it. Give him two mics. I can't get to my questions. Uh, so no it's not working. Okay, no questions. We'll do that yeah. next time. Yeah. All right. Do cool. Next time. Cool. The press conference was a literal press conference. There it is. There it is. <laughs> it worked. So, hey, listen, we'll see you next time. Wednesday is the show. We're getting ready for that Jets-Leafs game with Dave. And I believe Dave's going to be there. And I think he's pretty excited about that. Big Leafs fan, Dave Bastel. Why would you be excited to watch your team lose? Oh, oh they're number shit. one in their division. Yeah. In the conference. Conference. The Jets. Poop conference. Poop. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.